Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. This is today's episode of Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. God bless you today, and I'm delighted to have you with me. Thank you. We are in the book of Revelation, and we are going to read the concluding verses of Revelation chapter 1 today. And we will see if we can get through this in the one episode or if it may take two. But we should be nearing to the conclusion of chapter 1 of Revelation. And then we'll keep moving forward through this precious book. So for the reading of it today, I'd like to read beginning in verse 10 and then continue through the end of the chapter. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Theatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen and I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. As we've seen in this book, John is on the Isle of Patmos, and he receives this revelation, this unveiling by the Lord Jesus himself, and he sees Jesus actually coming in his kingdom. He sees the Lord's day, and we talked about that in the last episode, and we saw how this fulfills Matthew 16, 28, where Jesus himself spoke about someone being able to live to see him coming in his kingdom. John is told to write these things and then to distribute this entire book all through the churches so that it would be read and understood. Today, we're going to look at John's record of the one that he turned and saw that is giving this revelation to him. And it is the risen, resurrected Lord. So first, I want us to quickly go to verse 19 
before we get into the meat of seeing the Lord, I want us to understand. Because Jesus gives John right here in verse 19, the outline for this book. We don't have to wonder how to divide this book, how to teach it, how to understand its outline. Jesus himself gives it to us. He says to write the things which you have seen and write the things which are and write the things which will take place after this. So he's given us the entire book, chapters 1 through 22, in this outline. Chapter 1, chapter 1 refers to the things that John has seen, meaning this chapter, meaning what he's seeing in this chapter, the risen Lord, the, the heavenly tabernacle that he is experiencing right now in chapter 1 the things that he has seen here in chapter 1. Then the second part of the outline is the things that are present day, the things that are now. That refers to chapter 2 and 3. That refers to the things that were ongoing in the present time in which John was living. And that refers to the seven churches and their operation in the kingdom of God. They are the things that are in the present day, chapters 2 and 3. Then he says right about the things that will be, the things that are in the future. They have not yet occurred, but they are going to. And that is chapters 4 through 22. And we will get into all of these in due time. So, John is given this outline by the Lord. Chapter 1 is telling him about the risen Lord, and we are to understand that this is the risen Lord, and this is his ministry at the time that John saw him and at the time that John was present in this scene. Chapters 2 and 3 are the operation of the churches, or what we call the church age. It's when the churches around the globe are operating and working, and that's represented by the seven churches in Asia. The sevenfold fullness of the church is what's really represented by those seven churches. There were more churches than that alive in John's day. But John was told to write these specific seven, and in those it encapsulates the message that God has to the entire church. Then chapters 4 through 22 are coming events in the future. So right now we are going to focus on the things that John saw. The first part of this outline, chapter 1. He tells us that he turned to look in the direction that he heard the voice, the voice that he heard was like the sound of a trumpet, and that is Jesus himself. We know that because of verse 8 and because of verse 10 and 11. John now is going to describe to us what he saw, which is exactly what Jesus told him to write. Write what you have seen. So John now gives us the description of what he saw when he looked 
So first of all, let's consider the scene, because this is very important for us to understand as well. In this scene, John sees seven golden lampstands. Now, these, to understand this in full, we have to go back to the Old Testament. Here again, when we look into Revelation, it connects us with other parts of Scripture to understand what's being said and what's being talked about. So John now is seeing inside the heavenly tabernacle that other places in Scripture tell us about. And we will look at one of those here in a little bit. So when he starts talking about these seven lampstands, that should bring back to our remembrance and connect us with the Old Testament Torah and the menorah that was in the tabernacle of Moses. It was positioned inside the holy place in the tabernacle of Moses. I want us to look at this because this is very important for us to understand and connect it to Jesus. It was the only light in the tabernacle of Moses. I want us to go back and see the instructions about it. The very first instruction we find, the very first instructions we find is in Exodus chapter 25, and it's verses 31 through 40. I'm only going to read a few of those. But the account and the instructions are clear and clearly given in Exodus 25, verse 31 through 40. I want to read a few of those verses. Verse 31 says this, You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs and flowers shall be of one piece. And then he begins to describe all of those things. The, the, the lampstand, the knobs, the branches, the bowls, etc. He tells all about those. I want us to go down to verse 37. Verse 37, it says this, You shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it. And its wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. And see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. So when Moses was on Mount Sinai, God allowed him also to see the heavenly tabernacle. And God instructed him to make all of these things concerning the tabernacle exactly to the same pattern of what he saw in heaven when he also looked at the heavenly tabernacle. So we are given the instructions about this menorah, which was the lampstand that was designed to give light in front of it. Then if we turn over to Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. We read these. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring you, bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. Outside the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning, 
before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. Then let's read in Numbers chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Numbers 8, 1 through 4 says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you arrange the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. And Aaron did so. He arranged the lamps to face toward the front of the lampstand as the Lord commanded Moses. Now this workmanship of the lampstand was hammered gold. From its shafts to its flowers, it was hammered work. According to the pattern which the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the lampstand. So there, those are the core scriptures in regard to the making of this lampstand and to its purpose. You can read more about that in the Old Testament, and it's a powerful study to actually understand all of the tabernacle, its pieces, its vessels, all of that is a powerful study on its own. But for our purposes today, I want us to focus on some things that these scriptures have told us about the lampstands in the Old Testament that were made from the pattern of what Moses had seen on the mountain when he was with God. From these, we understand this. It had seven lamps. Every part of it was made of pure gold, which represents deity. In the scriptures, gold represents deity. It was of hammered work. It was designed to burn continually, never go out. It was to give light. Pure oil was used. Oil is one of the representations symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And Aaron, the high priest, and his sons were given the charge of the lampstands. They were to trim the lamps every single day in the morning and in the evening. They were to keep and make sure the lamps were continually burning. That was one of the charges that Aaron and his sons had every single day. The Temple Institute, if you look into some of their writings and, and the things that they have on their website in regard to the menorah and the trimming of the lamps, it's interesting because there would be five of the lamps that were done in the morning service and two that were done in the evening service. Now that may have a part to play in something else that we will discuss in a coming episode later on, but I just find that very interesting. So what does that have to do with what John is seeing in Revelation and our study today? Well, let's look at the pattern and the connection. Jesus is the great high priest for the church, for the people of God. I want to read Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. So here we clearly 
understand from the author of Hebrews, which was not John the Apostle writing Revelation, this was a second witness in the New Testament of Jesus being the high priest, the great high priest, seated now at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high, and that he is a minister of the true tabernacle and the sanctuary in heaven, which is exactly what John is seeing here. John is seeing Jesus, our high priest, ministering among the lampstands. We see the seven menorah, menorah, I believe is the plural of menorah. The seven here represent the seven churches. We don't have to guess that. Verse 20 of chapter 1 specifically identifies them. Jesus himself said, the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So there's no question as to what they represent. There's no question as to who these are. Jesus is ministering among the lampstands. Now the seven churches represent, as I mentioned, the sevenfold completion of the entirety of the church because there were even more than seven at the time of John's writing. But these seven were specifically chosen by God as representative and the messages to be delivered to the entirety of the church. So it is just still for us today. Then we saw the oil. It had to, to be filled with oil daily. They had to keep up the oil that represents the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit is what was poured out upon the church at the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. The menorah had to be of hammered work. Now that's interesting because Jesus' body was nailed to the cross and there would be no church were it not for the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The lampstand was made of pure gold, representing the deity of the Trinity, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it was God the Son that His finished work on the cross is the basis for the church in existence. We all are saved by faith in Him, in His finished work, and his shed blood on the cross that paid the debt for our sins. And we've been justified by faith alone by the Almighty God because of the finished work of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. We've been born again by the Spirit of God. So it's all been a work of God that he has done in us and for us. The lampstands were to burn continually. They were to never go out, but always, always be shining. The sole purpose of the lampstands is one, to give light. That's the purpose of the church. If you want to sum it up in one sentence, the church's purpose is to give light. We are the lampstands. We are to give light. What light are we talking about? We don't have to wonder. The Bible tells us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
Verse 4, Paul is talking here about the unbelievers, and he says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. So who is the church to be shining? We are to be shining Jesus. We are to be giving the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the church. It's to shine Jesus, the risen Lord, the one that John now sees trimming the lamps so that they will burn brighter. He sees Jesus in his high priestly garments. He sees him in the garment with that goes down to the feet and girded with that golden band, just like the high priest's garments would be. In the Old Testament, they had what are called garments of glory and beauty. And those, that's a wonderful study of its own. I have not been able to put that up yet, but it is a beautiful study that I've taught in the past. It's awesome to study those high priestly garments and see the connection and how Jesus wears those, how Jesus is the fulfillment and they are tied to the Lord himself. And we see him in his high priestly garments Chapter 1 of Revelation, praise be to God. John sees his head and his hair, white like wool, like snow. This is the same description that Daniel gives of God the Father, who he calls the Ancient of Days in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. God the Father, God the Son, hallelujah, both have this hair like wool, this white like wool. John sees his eyes like a flame of fire. We also see that in Revelation 2.18 and in Revelation 19.12. He sees his feet like fine brass refined in a furnace, as if they were refined in a furnace. And beloved friend, remember, Jesus' feet were nailed to the cross. The Gospels tell us that. In the furnace of his suffering, his feet were nailed to the cross. And when he arose on the day of his resurrection and he appeared to the disciples, he said to them, see my hands and my feet. Later on, he said the same to Thomas. His feet had been nailed to the cross. The voice that was speaking to John, it says, was like the sound of many waters. I want to turn to a couple of places as we begin to draw to a close here and conclude this episode. The first place I want to go to is Psalm chapter 29, and I want to read verses 3 and 4 of Psalm chapter 29. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Praise God. So we are told this is the voice of the Lord, the sound of many waters. Jeremiah also confirms that in Jeremiah chapter 51, verses 15 and 19. He has made the earth by his power. He has established the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heaven by his understanding. When he utters his voice, 
There is a multitude of waters in the heaven, in the heavens. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightnings for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. Jump down to verse 19. The portion of Jacob is not like them. He is the maker of all things. And Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Hallelujah. So we know that John is seeing the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is speaking to him. The voice of the Lord, like the sound of many waters. The Bible says that he is holding in his right hand seven stars, which we don't have to wonder about what they are either, because John tells us, Jesus actually tells us when he's dictating it to John in verse 20. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And we're going to talk more about that as we go through the seven churches. The angels are used here. That word has also been used in the New Testament for people, for human beings. So we don't know if it's speaking of actual angels of the churches or pastors, perhaps, leaders of the churches. But we know that Jesus defines for us that the seven stars represent who he calls the angels of the churches. In his mouth, it says he has a two-edged sword. This we also see when we see him coming again at his second coming in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. And we know what this double-edged sword is. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we know that this sword is the word of God. And then in his appearance, John says his face, his whole appearance is shining so brightly. It's as if you were looking directly at the sun in the fullest of its strength. Wow. Complete light and complete brightness. In 1 John 1, 5, we read this. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Nothing but pure light and pure brightness. Praise God. So, John, in response to this awesome sight of the risen, resurrected Lord, falls down at his feet and worships. He falls down as if he's even a dead man. Worship and awe and reverence are always fitting in God's presence. John can't do anything but that. And beloved, I don't know what it's going to be like when we see him. But I got a feeling we're going to fall down and worship him also. Hallelujah. What a beautiful, glorious sight. And I want to close by reading just a couple of these verses here in Revelation 1 and one other passage, because I want us to really focus as we go out of this episode in Jesus and what he says. Verse 17 and 18 of Revelation chapter 1. 
And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus lives. He was dead. Yes, he came as a, as a man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins to pay the ransom and the penalty for your sin and mine and finished his work. And his blood is what saves us. His blood is what redeems us. The finished work of Jesus Christ is what's bought our freedom and bought our salvation. Praise be to God. And he did die. But praise be to God, he lives forevermore. He is not dead. He is alive. He is resurrected and he is risen. And not only that, but he also holds the keys of death and Hades. He is victorious. He is the conqueror. Praise be to God. I want us to lastly close by seeing this scripture passage Paul quotes this passage when he writes 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But I want to read it here in Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. And I love the way the New King James describes this and translates it. Verse 14, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. God sent Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, but he is resurrected and he rose victorious. He was the one that was the cause of death and the grave being destroyed, their power. Yes, we still physically die until the Lord comes back to get his bride. Many of us may go the route of death, but Jesus has overcome death. And we know that when we walk through a door of death, we will walk straight into his loving arms, bowing at his feet and worshiping him like John did and being with him forever never to be separated again because he has overcome death and Hades and holds their keys. They have no power any longer over us. We only taste death, it says in the word, when that time comes for each of us. Praise be to God. He is the risen, resurrected, conquering Lord. And John has seen him in all of his glory in this passage. And we get to partake of that and understand who he is. Praise God for our risen Lord. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.